0: A Life Unknown written by Rachel Shuton, episode three. Thursday, the 10th of July, 1997. Well, I've managed to get through a large proportion of the word count. I've put it away for now. I can take a look at it with fresh eyes again tomorrow. It'll do me good to take a day to breathe. Spoke to Ben last night, who seems to be keeping everything ticking over at home. He says Penny seems dreadfully unhappy again. I'm not wholly surprised. Why she decided to shack up with that idiot, I'll never be able to fathom. Ben told me not to interfere, but I pray to all that is holy that she doesn't marry him. I mean, marriage is hard enough without choosing such a self-congratulating misogynist like Carl. I blame Ben. I don't know what he was thinking inviting him over for dinner in the first place. Apparently, he's a promising young man and an excellent addition to the practice. Doesn't mean he has to be an addition to our dinner table. Oh, I know she's young and foolish and will make her own mistakes, but... Does she have to make mine? Marrying young in the 70s was normal, expected. Ben was always supportive though, so I was lucky. I know the majority of my peers weren't. A handful of them were happy, I suppose. My best friend Caroline, for example, she was blissfully happy in her domestic glory. Big house, dinner parties, lots of kids, dogs, the whole deal. Ben knew me well enough to realise that if he wanted to keep me, he needed to accept I wasn't that kind of woman. And he knew this and he let me follow my own path. Let me. He let me. (gasps) What a notion. Maybe that's why I'm so resentful towards Penny's choices. All those opportunities out there. All the freedom to pick better ones. Yet she sets her sights on a man who expects her to be a kept woman at home. Good God, I thought I brought her up better than that. Saturday, 12th of July, 1997. It's 2 a.m. and I'm too tired to write much. But that man, Matthias, he's going to be my downfall. Matthias. I know I keep saying the name and little else. I'll admit I was a tad inebriated last night. The man has been making an utter nuisance of himself these past couple of weeks. He owns the land that Ida's villa borders on. The day I arrived, there was some kind of problem with the water pipe that crosses both plots of land.
1: You have the problem same as last year, when I tell your friend what she must get fixed.
0: I don't know anything about this. I'm just staying for a couple of weeks. But I'm sure if you call Ida, she will... Your
1: friend does nothing. I tell her what she must do, and nothing. I may as well do it myself.
0: Well... That sounds like a perfectly sensible idea.
1: Stupid English women buy houses and know nothing.
0: I'm sorry. What did you just say?
1: No dice nada. Lo haré mi maldito yo.
0: Sexy Spanish pig. He was obviously frustrated, but he picked the wrong woman to shout at in his rather charming broken English. I spoke to Ida about him on the phone and all she had to say was, enjoy. The rat bag could have warned me before offering up her quiet villa to use. Anyway, last night I went to a small local bar and who should saunter in? In fairness, he cleans up rather well. I was used to seeing him in scruffy jeans and a t-shirt, his tanned arms and face dirty with dust. But instead, he was dressed in a white shirt and clean chinos, looking rather fine, with an infectious smile and piercing green eyes. Oh, God, I must sound like a character out of one of those novels that Penny reads. (sighs) Well, cutting to the point, we had some drinks. Turns out he's a widower. His late wife died during childbirth with their second son about five years ago. He farms, olives mostly, and his family own a restaurant down on the coast. His English is surprisingly good. He told me that as a boy he worked on the beach hiring out sunbeds and in the restaurant during the main season, so he learned a lot then. No doubt a necessity to be able to talk to all the pretty bikini-clad tourists. (laughs) Of course, nothing happened. He walked me home, gave me the customary two kisses on both my cheeks, although rather slowly, and said,
1: You are a wonderful woman. Good night, Sandra.
0: It took me all my strength to stay upright. I bid him good night and I walked the short distance up the path to the villa, knowing he was watching until I got to the door. I caught a final glance before nodding and closing the door behind me. Time to close the door on this entire thing, <laughs> silly old woman that I am. I'll call Ben in the morning to change my flight home to an earlier one. It's best I get home. <laughs> Saturday, the 11th of October 1997. There's a reading week, and I've decided to use it as an opportunity to do some work. Ida isn't using the villas, so she's happy for me to go out for a week. Ben hates flying, and he's busy with work anyway, so I'll be able to get lots done. Plans are forging ahead with the wedding, too, which I'd rather not be involved with. Carl's mother seems to be enjoying assisting Penny with the arrangements so I'm probably doing them both a favour by staying out of the way. Would all passengers travelling to Malaga on flight number EZ2409 please make their way to gate 11 for boarding? That's all passengers travelling Oh, that's my flight being called. Wednesday 15th October 1997 who was I fooling I knew exactly what I was doing and shame on me for it Ben doesn't deserve this but I still somehow feel that I do lying in his arms this morning there just wasn't anywhere else in the world I wanted to be He wants me to stay. Imagine. I really don't think so. But a life without him, without this feeling of completeness, seems like a barren one. Listen to me, I sound pathetic. A middle-aged married woman having an existential crisis in the midst of a Spanish holiday romance. what a cliche. Should I tell Ben? surely he deserves to know what a despicable human being he's married to. Well, we haven't had sex in goodness knows how long. I can't even remember who stopped instigating it first. I think we both resigned to the fact that sex petered out after a certain amount of time within a marriage. I thought this was normal. Isn't it? It's not just about sex, though. It's about intimacy and connection. Oh, how naive of me to think that I had no need for those things, to feel cherished, to feel like a woman. Yes, I know Ben loves me and I love him, but love needs to be nurtured and treasured. We have neglected to do either of these and now look where we are.
1: Popping out to the shop. Do you want anything? Uh, no,
0: thank you. I'm good. A Saturday, the 20th of June, 1998. It's been a while, but it's been busy. The wedding is finally out of the way. And despite Ben's warnings, I tried to talk to Penny about my concerns, but it really didn't go as planned. She said she could rely on him. Rely on him? Where was her passion and hankering for romance gone? I remember her teenage years where she would swoon over romance novels and happy endings. Yet all she now wants is reliability. The whole thing was just too much to bear and I left the room. I did wonder if she was pregnant, but there haven't been any signs or announcements. For reasons beyond my comprehension, my daughter has simply resigned herself to a life of security and reliability with a man with the emotional maturity of a Neanderthal. So there they have it. As for me, I've secured funding for a six-month sabbatical. Ida is spending the summer traveling with her new beau, so I'm actually doing her a favor looking after the villa for three months. Ben is busy as ever with the firm And I will fly home once or twice during the summer. Probably. I've not seen him since last year, although we've exchanged letters. His English is constantly improving, though I hope he won't perfect it too much.
1: Mi amor, I miss you, the mornings especially. Los chicos miss you also. They know the English lady makes me very happy. And ask for you many times. When you will come back, I ask the same. Con todo mi amor, Matías.
0: I did try to tell Ben. But I get the feeling he knows. He didn't want to discuss anything. He simply told me we had a good life with our own projects. But a solid marriage which many didn't. I didn't know what to say in return. My head was swimming with questions, questions like is he having an affair too? And if so, who is she? Does she make him happier than I could? And what defines a good marriage anyway? Keeping up appearances? I was too stunned to press further and When I later told him about my serendipitous plans for the summer, he only paused for a moment before looking me directly in the eye and saying, "'Very well, Sandra. "'You should do whatever you need to do.' That was it. That was all he said. Sometimes I wish, instead of understanding, he would do more, show more, I don't know, something, anything.' But he hasn't, and most likely won't. And neither, probably, will I. If she'd just opened up a little, we could have had a proper mother-daughter relationship. All this time. I wish... No... Do you know what? Let's try and treat this as a gift, born out of this mess of a tragedy. But let's not do the same thing, eh?
1: No. Let's not. So you want to tell me what's been going on with you, then? Over a Chinese. Sounds good to me. Me too.
0: A Life Unknown was a non-profit community project by Telling Stories Radio Productions, written and directed by Rachel Schutten. Sandra was performed by Caroline Ryden. Ben by Andrew Cullum. Melody by Ellie Lomas. Penny by Gemma Bowden. And Matthias by Paul Enright King. and sound effect recordings are Creative Commons licensed. Details can be found on tellingstoriesradio.com.